praise his name today. We love the Lord and just thankful for him. And uh, I'm going to read um, a few scriptures right here. Ephesians chapter 2. While you're finding that, Ephesians 2 and 19. I want to say it's great to have Brother Nathaniel's folks with us today from Minnesota. Appreciate Brother and Sister Smelzer. Glad to have them with us today. Ephesians 2. You know, the church at Ephesus was a Holy Ghost church. You read about Paul finding those disciples and how he asked them, had they received the Holy Ghost since they believed? And they didn't, said, we don't even know whether it'd be a Holy Ghost. And he went straight to, how were you baptized? And upon preaching to them and uh, showing them things, well, they were baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm thankful that it was always at work in the churches. With Paul writing of our salvation here and different things in verse 19, he says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And today we're going to talk about our apostolic heritage. Our apostolic heritage. Let's pray for the lesson this morning. Lord, we love you today and thank you for your word. We praise you in this house today. You're great. And Lord, we thank you for our heritage. We thank you that now, Lord, we are made nigh unto you by your blood. And we are baptized into this one body by the Spirit. And so today, God, open our hearts. Let us learn from your word and let us understand and appreciate what we've been given today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap and shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thankful. Hallelujah. Thankful. Thankful. You can be seated. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. You know, today may be more of a, a history lesson than anything, but we need to understand and appreciate um, our apostolic heritage. And now, while that can go all the way back to that first Pentecost, you know, it's uh, when the apostles were preaching and teaching. Those are... Uh, our brothers and sisters, you know, those are people that we, we preach from their readings, we, uh, from their writings, and uh, we use examples from them and about them, and, and we just, we love the apostles. But, you know, there's, from the time that they've left this world, there's been other great men and women of God that have influenced us greatly, that God I believe, ordained and designed to be where they were at that certain time for our life. I believe that there are a lot of great uh, apostles that are not listed in the Scripture that uh, God used uh, to save people and bring the message to a place and to bring that spark back. And, and so we want to be thankful for our heritage. And a lot of people have no idea. A lot of people in apostolic churches really don't have any idea uh, what happened after the book of Acts concerning this it, because it, it wasn't just uh, a well-known, well-received and just 
full-blown and growing doctrine through the world. The, the world tried to shut it down, but God never let it die out, and then it was revived. But we want to make sure that we remember where we come from and, and what has happened. And, and when Paul was writing this in Ephesians chapter 2, he, he also, uh, a little before, he said that we're no more strangers and foreigners. He reminded us that in times past, we were Gentiles in the flesh, and we were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision. In other words, the Jews, God's people and his heritage, and he said, that wasn't you. He said, you are without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, aren't you thankful? But now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, and now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners and and, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets. It's so important to stay on the foundation. We've, we can't start rebuilding or saying, hey, we're going to build another phase. You know, today they'll build a, a community or something. It'll get set up. It'll get complete. Now say phase two. But I'm not here to build another phase. I want to stay on this foundation of the apostles and of the prophets and and when you read through the scripture you'll find that what the prophets uh wrote and what they prophesied in, in a mystery that the apostles began to speak in a revelation you know when peter preached on the day of pentecost he 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 pulls from joel and david and these other prophets and and scriptures that people had heard all these years they had sat in the synagogue year after year after year and and heard these scriptures but they never realized what it was until Peter preached that day. And that's why when all of a sudden they realized that this same Jesus was both Lord and Christ and they, we've crucified him, they were pricked in their heart and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now that we see what this means, we understand what David was writing and we understand uh, what Joel was writing. Now that we see this is right in front of us, it's come to pass, what do we do? And so we build on the things that the apostles and prophets wrote and taught and lived and died for. You know, that uh, this earlier this week, and uh, we celebrated, or I say celebrated, we remembered uh, D-Day and all the men who lost their lives on the, the beaches that day. And, and they did this fighting to, to destroy the evil that was uh, trying to take over the world. And our country was made better because of their sacrifice, I have no doubt. And we ought to honor them always and remember that always. But I tell you this, that I believe just as much as that is that we should remember the men and women who have gone before us with this gospel and have given their lives and have stood, uh, you know, tortures and, and even, like I say, lost their lives. They've been humiliated. They've you know, people have lost jobs over this. They've lost families over this. They've been exiled over this. Let me tell you, uh, the price that has been paid so that we could be where we are today is tremendous, and we need to make sure we remember uh, our heritage uh, in the church. When uh, 
There's a saying by the man uh, Edmund Burke. He said, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. When you uh, remember, think of this scripture along with it, Psalm 145 and 4. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. If we know our history, then there is a better chance that we will repeat the success and the successful events and not the mistakes of other generations. If we can look back and see uh, what worked and what was done and how, that's why I always tell the church, you look back into the scripture to see what works. If it happened for them in the scripture, it'll still happen for us today. If you pray in faith, it'll happen just like it did for them. They were not uh, so special. Uh, they were not more special than us just because their names are here. This is just what we have to go by. But there are men and women just like these men and women who have stood for the gospel and died for the gospel and have seen signs and wonders and miracles. There's still great outpourings and revivals. And you know what? People are still being raised from the dead. People are still receiving the Holy Ghost somewhere right now. I know that today in Chicago, probably starting uh, here shortly, they will be, uh, uh, may even be starting now. I think they're an hour behind us. It's the kickoff for that church that our AYC group is at in Chicago, and this is their opening service. I wonder how many people today are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost in Chicago. I wonder what kind of revival is fixing to be birthed right now in that city of Chicago. Uh, how many people that are drug addicts or, or you know, have terrible histories in their lives, whatever's going on, but, but God's going to touch them and restore them today because somebody decided, I'm going to take the gospel to this city, and I'm going to start a work. I'm going to step into a place where there was nothing and bring the gospel. They do that because they have seen that it works. They know that God is faithful. They've read his word, and they know that if I'll stick with God, he's going to stick with me. And he's going to take care of me and make sure that I'm okay. So we need to make sure that uh, as a generation, it is important that we remember our heritage and not just hide it away or tuck it away in a, like a, a memory book, but that we tell somebody about it. Tell your children. We were just talking the other day about Brother and Sister Everhart used to sing that song, Tell Your Children and Your Children's Children about the coming of the Lord. And, and we need to make sure today that we are telling our children and if you see your grandchildren, you need to tell your grandchildren. And if you were happen to even see your great-grandchildren, make sure that you still have a voice. And as long as you can breathe, tell these kids about our apostolic heritage. Let them know that it doesn't matter how this world changes or how advanced it gets, you still need to be saved. And there is still one way to be saved. There is still one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. That people still have to repent. They have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Good works will never erase that. Being kind and generous will never erase that. We have to stick to Scripture. It is our foundation. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We don't get to change it. We've got to stick with what the plan was. God designed it like that. I can't come in later and say, hey, I'm the new kid, and I got a better idea, God. Let's build it like this. Honey, let me tell you, you better stay on the foundation of God. Men and women have always looked for that, 
that, that foundation. I know it said one man, maybe, maybe it was Abraham, said he was looking for a city that had foundations whose builder and maker was God. Way back then, I don't want anything else except it's built on the foundation that God's built on. Jesus said, I'm going to build a church. It's going to be built on a rock. Let me tell you today, we can't change the foundation. We can't change the doctrine. We can't change the word of God. We can't create something new to get a following. We've got to stick with what works. It's our heritage. People stick. Well, they've got a heritage and all kinds of things, and they'll fight for it. That's just the way it's been always. You know, we see it in the world all the day now. It's on the news. It's been like this. This has always been here, but now here comes a new generation. They want to move monuments and landmarks, and people are in an uproar about it and things like that. You know, it's just a change. Hey, that was always there. My whole life has been there. That's part of my heritage, and they're taking it away. And, man, they'll pick it. They'll fight. They'll sign petitions. They'll vote. They'll do all kinds of things. Oh, if we were that earnest and sincere and dedicated to fighting for the heritage that we have in the church. That we would not let anybody move us off of the truth of God's word. Stick with what works. Because if we don't teach it, if we don't live it, if we don't let our light shine in this world and let people understand that there is an apostolic truth, the next generation will not know the Lord. They might know religion. They might know how to gather together and have a good time, but they won't know the Lord. Joshua took over after Moses, but when Joshua died, and then the rest of that generation died, it said there arose another generation that knew not the Lord. Neither did they know his works that he had done for them. And it said, so they turned and served other gods. They, they forsook the Lord God that delivered them, and they served Balaam. If somebody's not instilling it in their children, if we're not giving it to the next generation, if we're not declaring this heritage to the next generation, there'll be a generation that'll grow up, they'll have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They'll serve the works of their hands. They'll serve the buildings they've built and the things they've made and the programs they instituted, and it won't have any power in it. I want Holy Ghost power. I want what John said. He lived there. There's one coming after me that's mightier than I. And I indeed baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Let me tell you. You say, I need more than that. If you need more than that, honey, you're in trouble because the Holy Ghost will take care of you. The Holy Ghost will lead you in all truth. The Holy Ghost is going to take you out of here one day. The Holy Ghost is what gets you into the body. If you need something more than the Holy Ghost, I can't help you because I don't have anything else to preach. (laughs) I don't have nothing else better than that, greater than that, more powerful than that. Nothing but this. And if the truth can't help you and satisfy you, I don't know what can. But if people would be as earnest about squeezing the, everything out of this truth as they are about everything else, people are so dedicated to every other thing. And I believe in that. I believe in you know, giving it all you got, but how about in the house of the Lord? Whatsoever you find to do, do it with your might. Or if people would say, whoa, I, I love this Holy Ghost. Now I'm going to get in this word, and I'm going to find out 
what God wants me to know. And I'm going to find out what it takes to pray a prayer of faith where the sick people will recover. I'm going to find out what it takes to pray a prayer of faith where devils can be cast out. I'm going to find out what it takes to get signs and wonders and miracles following me. If they would just, you know, if, if it'd be as dedicated to the house of the Lord as they are about their workout programs. Yeah, I know. Come on. Uh, oh, don't, don't get, this is holiday, it's Pentecost Sunday, don't get crazy. Now, I'm, no, I'm just telling you, if the church was like, whew, man, this is the best thing going. It's got to be the best thing going every day of the week and not just Sunday. It's got to be the best thing going every day of the week and not just a camp meeting and not just the NAYC. It's got to be the best thing on Monday, Tuesday. It's got to be the best thing at school, the best thing on the job, the best thing at home. It's got to be the best thing going at prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Anytime we're there, this is the best thing going any day of the week. Well, I'm glad that God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I'm glad he pulled me out of this world. I'm not any better than anybody else. He just found me. I listened. The Bible says he calls us out of darkness, and he called and I listened. Thank God I listened. And anybody else can listen and answer and obey and have this. And if we weren't so nervous about telling people about it, oh, Listen, I'm going to just tell you about our heritage. Kids, you know what? The thing is, it ain't just about your natural, biological kids. When you get in the church, you start having spiritual kids. Paul said, you'll have many instructors, but not many fathers. But you'll have fathers in the Lord. You'll have people that have preached truth to you. And, and uh, hey, hey, don't get, you know, those saying, Father knows best. Don't get mad at your dad when he's preaching the truth. I give myself a hand on that one. Hey, if I didn't care and I didn't love you, I'd be preaching lollipops and cotton candy every week and deers licking your knees, you know, things like that. I'd be preaching about them unicorns and rainbows and all kinds of stuff. I'd tell you a little story and and send you on your way, inspire you, give you a pep talk, and let you go. Drop your offering at the door, you know, that'd be all it'd be. But I want to see you go to heaven. Because you think you're rejoicing now? When you hear Jesus say, well done. And that's coming. It's coming. And when you hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in. That place we've been trying to get to. We've heard about it, read about it, sung about it, preached about it, dreamed about it, and one day we're going to see it. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I just believe. I don't know how long it's going to It's eternity, so we've got all time. How long it's going to take for the shock and the awe and the wonder of seeing him and meeting him and hearing him say that? But I soon I believe that soon your mind will drift back to a man or woman that prayed you through the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden you're going to start thinking, you know, I know they had to be Jesus. Ain't no doubt about that. It's all in him. But, oh, I remember a sister so-and-so. 
that prayed and cried with me in the altar. I remember brother so-and-so that preached uh, over that pulpit to me till the Spirit of God got a hold of me. I remember somebody preaching to me, praying with me, loving me. And that's why I'm here. And you'll be in all that multitude. You'll be trying to find them. I don't know how that's going to work if we can just think about them and boom, hey, here we are. Nice to see you. I don't know. But how, whatever it takes, I believe we'll be uh, hugging the necks of those. I tell you, I can't wait to see my pastor. Throw my arms around his neck. and say, I'm so glad you just preached it to me so I could have part of this apostolic heritage. It might not be worth a lot of money to some people, but it's worth your soul. And one day you're going to hear Jesus say, well done, it's going to be because somebody passed it down. I know we've got some in here that's uh, first generation apostolic. Right here. But I've got some that's got apostolic heritage. They've got three, four generations in here. you like Timothy. Your grandmama had it and your mama had it and it's, you know, it's been passed down and, and that's awesome. Well, you keep passing it on. You keep handing it down. You keep telling them about it. Don't just give them a, a Bible and say, here, open this and read it. Show them what you've marked in it. Show them what spoke to you in it. Tell them what moved you, what helped you, what saved you. Let them know because, hey, if it saved you, it's going to save them. Don't walk away from this apostolic heritage. Don't get away from these things. We've got to make sure that we stick with it. God has always warned us to stick with righteousness and, and pass that on. It was designed to move on to generations. In Exodus 25 and 6, the Lord said, Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. You see, a godly heritage of mercy from God extends to thousands of generations, while iniquity stays with the family until the third and fourth. So we must have that same kind of attitude that Joshua had. When he told him in Joshua 24 and 15, he said, As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is what my household's going to be about. It's not going to get mixed up. I know it would be tough in this world today, especially within first-generation apostolics, because you may have loved ones and friends and family members that think you've lost your mind. Well, just let them think that. But you want me to tell you something? Once they realize that we're not a bunch of crazy snake-handling nuts, they realize that we are just God-fearing people who love other people. They, they just got to get to know you. Oh, when we come here now, I, I know. There's some sitting in, in this room that their families thought, I wish that preacher would move on. He's done stole my children, brainwashed my kids. But then after they got to know us, they realized, they ain't such bad people after all. You know, no, we, we don't see things eye to eye, maybe on, on some things, but hey, it don't matter. I love them and I think they love me. Because they know, they've seen that I love their kids. They know that I'd do anything for them. But I tell you one thing I won't do is not preach what the truth says. 
So you stick with the truth. You stick with the truth. Because that's the only way you're going to ever bring them around to it. You got to stick to it. You know, I know a heritage usually comes from parents to kids, but sometimes it goes to kids to parents in the church. My mom will tell you, I'm sure she wouldn't feed me when I was five years old thinking this would be my pastor one day. And, uh, but here we are. That's a, that's a strange uh, way to look at it, but it, it's, it's what it is, you know. And, uh, I'm thankful to the Lord that uh, I was able to pass on what was passed on to me to my mother and my brother here. And so thank God for it. God's good. We need to stick to it. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord a godly heritage heritage if it's followed by each successive generation, will bring the mercy of God upon your family all the way to eternity. You know, we always talk about, well, you can't take it with you. But you know what? You might take your family with you. You can't take silver and gold and houses and cars and, and uh, you know, things like that. They'll be sitting in the road or sitting in the driveway somewhere. But, but you know what? Your mom, your dad, your kids, go with you. That'd be a great place to all be caught up in the air together. So that's what happens when you have that heritage. You've got to keep it going, keep passing it down. The big picture of redemption <clears throat> excuse me, comes into clearer focus when God manifests himself in the flesh on this earth. He became Emmanuel, God with us. To be part of the heritage, one must be part of the family. God had to be part of the human DNA to be the kinsman redeemer. The Holy Ghost, the acting spirit of God, interacted with the human, Mary, and a child was born, Jesus Christ. And his mission was to find a bride made ready to live eternally with him. I'm thankful to be part of the bride. I'm thankful to be part of the body. I'm thankful that the spirit has adopted us and grafted us in the vine. I'm thankful to be part of this church of the living God. And so when Pentecost came around, it was uh, so it could put Jesus in the heart of his bride, the church. The Feast of Pentecost was a much-anticipated event in Jerusalem. Pentecost was to be a time of joyous thanksgiving for the blessing of a good harvest, as commanded by God in Leviticus 23. It was seven weeks from the second day of Passover, or 50 days, thus the name Pentecost. Some of the customs of Pentecost were to have an all-night Torah study on the first evening of the feast. They would memorize passages of scripture and then they would be rewarded with treats uh, if they could remember them and recite them. The children, they would get them to do memory verses all the way back then. So, hey, kid, well, there ain't no kids in here, but if they're learning memory verses, it didn't start with us. They was teaching them that way back and they would give them uh, treats and prizes uh, for memorizing these things and they would read the, the beautiful story of Ruth, the story of crisis to redemption. And then because they were living the milk and honey dream, milk products and sweets were served, cookies and milk. So, you know, the, a lot of good things go with Pentecost, don't it? I don't know. I, that's the first I've heard about cookies and milk, but I'm, I'm up for it. So next year <laughs> there'll be a plate uh, table in the foyer as you come in, cookies and milk. Well, not so much the milk, but cookies. Lord, help us now. Let's see what time it is. I better get moving. You know, one of the great things about heritage is this, is that 
Mary and the family of Jesus, they were not done with him once he started walking openly and showing who he was and doing the miracles and signs and wonders. But Mary and his brothers, his, his family, were uh, there in the upper room at that first Pentecost. So Mary, who had carried him for nine months and then birthed him, was about to be filled with his spirit. And so there was a heritage there. The importance of the presence of the earthly family of Jesus in the upper room gives validity to his life and teachings. Uh, according to the Bible scholars, the book of James is the work of the half-brother of Jesus. His presence for this upper room experience reveals that he believed Jesus to be the Messiah. Mary, the mother of Jesus, believed the words that he spoke in Luke 24 and 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry, you, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. She was present with her family. Now, we've talked about this a little bit before. Uh, some say that apparently Joseph had died by this point. I don't know. I haven't seen, you know, I've seen different things that he just wasn't there, that he died. I don't know where Joseph was, but I do know that Mary was there and she was with them in that upper room with her family. Now, if the mother of Jesus needed the new birth experience, if she needed to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, why would anybody think that we wouldn't need to be? Even the ones who say they pray to her. Why, why would they think, you know, that, well, I prayed to her. This is what she did, but I'm not going to follow her example. Or if they really believe that Peter was their first pope, why don't they obey what he said? Because that's just passing down the heritage. That's just, hey, this is what saved us. We want to save you. You pass on things to your children that you want them, that are valuable or have some kind of meaning. That is, you just go up and give your kids, look, I'm, I'm about to leave. Here's a shoestring. What's it? Well, I just want to give you something. We used to do that to people all the time. We'd have a candy wrapper. We'd open up something. We'd say, here. And they'd take it and say, don't say I never give you nothing. You know, and, ah, oh, that's funny. Well, you know, the Lord didn't just give us some empty candy wrapper. And he didn't just give us something that was useless, but he passed down what's going to save us. And then Peter, with those keys, preaching on the day of Pentecost, he opened the door up to the kingdom, and, and uh, now people are preaching this gospel and preaching this message. And, and this is what they're preaching. This is what they're preaching. They were not preaching, repeat after me. They were not preaching, you can be baptized if you want to, or any way you want to, or we'll sprinkle it on your head. No, they were preaching, be buried with him in water, in baptism. They were preaching, without the spirit of Christ, if it don't dwell in you, you're none of his. That's harsh words. That's tough for somebody to hear. Without the spirit of Christ, you're none of his. He didn't say, you know, that's the thing. people can't grasp that, but hey, that's what it says. That's why we preach and show this word, and we say, this is why, because you should have this. And so we teach it, and we pass it on as, as heritage. 
and it's not just to our biological family, but it's to the people, our friends and loved ones and, and people we're around. It's, uh, you know, it's the gospel. It's taking the gospel to every creature. People you meet, you need to talk to them about that. Ask them about it. Find, door, find some way to segue into, hey, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And if people who believe a little different than you really love you, they ought to be able to sit down with you and talk about it. And you ought to be able to sit down and talk about it with them without fighting and getting mad about it. If you feel yourself getting angry or mad, just say, hey, I got to go now. It's time to go. (laughs) I'm not going to fight. Hey, you know what? I don't have to even defend God's word. It stands on its own. So I don't have to, you know, people think, well, I need to fight over this scripture. No, you don't need to fight over this. It means what it says. You can't change it. So, and they can't change it. And so, uh, but they start adding little addendums to it. But, you know, in history, in this book, in this man, and they, these people, they wrote this and did that. Yeah, that's what them people did. But Paul said, hey, let me tell you, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. So let's look and see. Let's go back to our heritage. Let's go back to that foundation. You know that in the world today, they say no one is, I think it's like you're within like you know, 50th cousin. So actually everybody in the world is related because it all comes back to one source. So guess what? You might be marrying your cousin anyway. I don't guess 50th cousin matters, but they might even, 50th cousin probably talks another language. I don't even know. So Heritage is passed down. And in this life, in this world, and in this serving God, we've got a heritage, a godly heritage of living right. It's, we, you know, we, we, we can't ignore it and, and, and let down the, the standard of it. We've, we've got to hold it up. I know the world's changing. And I know that the Bible says in the last days that evil men and seducers would wax worse. And there'll, there'll be people trying to draw. You know how they're not trying to draw away? Those that are lost. They want to draw away those that are standing on the rock. Those that have been built on a foundation. And I'm just telling you, I have lived on the other side of the fence. I have lived in this world. And I ain't talking about just grew up out of church. I'm talking about lived worldly. Did things that I should not do. Things that I hope nobody ever finds out about. Things that were awful and terrible. And it took this gospel to change me. It wasn't no amount of me wanting to be better going to do it. It wasn't no amount of me, hey, I'll go through a program, going to cut it. I needed the life-changing power of God's word. For you are born again, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, the word of God. It was Jesus, the word made flesh, that said, Behold, I make all things new. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. That is the only way uh, to get new. That's the only way to get new. It's in him. Well, how do we get into him? You're baptized into him, according to Scripture. 
That's our heritage. This is what we've got. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not embarrassed by it. I'm not uh, concerned that somebody thinks I've lost my, you know, that I'm off my nut because uh, I believe like this. It saved me and it changed me. And nobody, anybody comes trying to breathe some kind of new doctrine in now, you come too late to tell this fellow because I have experienced what the Word of God said. And why do people hide and shy away from simply what the Bible says? It's Scripture. Because it's Scripture that induces change in your life. And people don't like change. People like peace. and People like comfort. And people love the idea of heaven. But people do not like the idea of change. That I will have to be different now. That I will have to come out and be separate. That I'll, I'll have to be holy because he's holy. And, and abstain from the appearance of evil. And do things so that my good is not evil spoken of. And, and I'm, I'm going to have to straighten up and fly right. And walk on the straight and narrow. And not turn to the left or the right. I'm going to have to lay aside every weight and sin if I'm going to run this race. I cannot be the same person I was before Jesus and still think I'm going to heaven. Meeting him is simply not going to be enough because one man met him and turned around and walked away very sad because I can't change my lifestyle of the rich and famous. I've got a lot of possessions. I've got a lot of things, and it comes with a lot of people and a lot of notoriety and all kind of stuff, and I just can't do that. I don't associate with poor people, and you want me to sell everything and give it to the poor. I just can't do that. And that's where the problem comes in today. Oh, I want to go to heaven. I'd like to meet your Jesus, but I'm not changing. Well, I'll miss you in heaven, maybe. I don't know if we'll miss them at all. I don't know if we'll even know they're not there. I just plan on going. I'm thankful for what God's given us, and I'm thankful for the people who uh, did what they did. You know, you read the book of Acts, Peter, of the apostles that are beaten. Didn't we tell you not to preach in this name anymore? Should we obey you or God? And they went out rejoicing with blood running down their back that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. Paul and Silas preaching the gospel, whipped and beat, locked up, cast into prison. Why? Why? What, what wrong did they do? They did nothing wrong except make people mad because these people are trying to bring this man's blood on us. Well, that's, that's about right. We are. <laughs> We're trying to get the blood applied to your life. <laughs> we want the blood of Jesus on you. We want it applied to you so that you can experience what we've experienced and understand that we've got something great to hold on to. And so, you know, and even, I know as we're getting ready to close out, but we can even come out of the pages of this scripture and, and look and find out how that uh, in this country, that God started this revival and they began to get back to what the Word of God said and, and people, uh, Charles Parham, uh, he was in the, the Methodist, involved with the Methodist church, but he left them because he said the Methodist church prevented real ministry by inspiration from God. 
He wasn't mad at him, didn't hate him or anything like that. He was just looking for something more, and they, didn't, they wanted him to stop. He wasn't trying to be rebellious or ugly. He just said, uh, I'm seeing these things uh, in Scripture, and he received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues, and uh, he started preaching that apostolic message, and, and they said, that's just not what we're about. And so you can't preach that and be a part of us. So he left them because he couldn't deny what had happened in his life. I've experienced it. How can you, what, what do you want me to say? Well, tongues are not for us today. Then how do you explain what happened to me? I wasn't hypnotized. I didn't take an a eight-hour course on how to speak in tongues. It, you know, I just, I was down to the altar with my hands lifted up, and I began to speak in another language that I had never heard before. It wasn't me. And so it moved on, and we know about, hopefully, or you know about Azusa Street. And you know about what happened there and, and how the revival came and, and the name, the Jesus name message was being preached and the Holy Ghost was being preached and, and it would just go on and on and on. There's so many things. That's our heritage. That's where it come from. You know that when that first started, that when that uh, apostolic movement first started, it was the, the largest integrated movement anywhere. And when you look at some of the pictures from those uh, camp meetings and different things, you didn't see, it wasn't all white, it wasn't all black, it was all races mixed together. That's a picture of heaven. That's how it ought to be. That's how it ought to be. And so, you know, now that we're post Azusa Street, we see all the time the word of God coming to pass where Isaiah wrote, if we were stammering lips in another tongue, I'll speak to this people. God's still speaking to his people. He's still pouring his spirit out. This is our heritage. It's, don't, don't, don't receive it and lock it up and then not talk about it. Don't receive it and, and, and sit on it and bury it. Don't bury this talent. Make sure that you're holding on to it. In 1913, anybody ever heard of the Arroyo Seco camp meeting? If you've studied apostolic Pentecostal history, you, you will says that at that camp meeting in 1913, the understanding of the original scriptural formula for baptism by the apostles was revealed. The baptismal services of the New Testament as expressed throughout the book of Acts in the name of Jesus were reinstituted. A restored biblical understanding of the theology of the mighty God in Christ brought a revival like that to the early church. People started realizing that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself the mighty God in Christ. Aren't you thankful for him this morning? Praise God. Let's, let's stand together this morning. Honey, you can come on to the music and we'll get ready to pray. There's a man by the name of George Royal Farrow. He was a songwriter. He more than a songwriter. He pastored <clears throat> a church in, in uh, Humble, Texas. But he wrote a song that is most considered an anthem of oneness Pentecostals. The mighty God is Jesus, the Prince of Peace is He, the everlasting Father, the King eternally, the wonderful in wisdom by whom all things were made, the fullness of the Godhead in Jesus is displayed. It's all in Him, it's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead, it's all in Him. Aren't you thankful that you know that truth today? That it's all in Him. 
It's all in Him, the fullness of the Godhead. It's all in Him. Well, I'm thankful. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in Him. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for it now. Aren't you thankful for your heritage today? We all start somewhere. Faith in Christ. Oh, but we're striving to be perfected in Him, complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. Hallelujah. That's our heritage. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. The mighty God is Jesus. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we praise you. Oh, I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for my apostolic heritage. I'm thankful that he's still pouring his spirit out on all flesh. We're going to have a great service today. Let's find a place to pray before the next service and expect God to do great miracles. God bless you.